Swim check one, two. Bike check one, two. Run check one, two. I think we're ready. Let's try this. Welcome to the Try Beginner's Luck podcast, a podcast where we explore the sport of triathlon from a variety of perspectives to help beginner triathletes on their journey. I am your host, Nashonda Shines. Welcome back to another edition of Try Beginner's Luck. Yes, we have made it to the end of the year where we can look back and think about all of the things that we've done. We can reflect on those things, be grateful, and then start to really think about what we want 2024 to shape up to be and look like. This year for me has been a year of resetting in order to move forward stronger. And it's been really a joy to just sit back and rest, recover, rejuvenate, restore, and re-engage my love for sport. Along this year, I've gotten to meet some incredible people, have some incredible interviews, and I am grateful and just want to say thank you to everyone who has listened, who said yes to come on the podcast. I want to say thank you. But this particular episode, I've kind of been wanting this person on the podcast for a very long time because I live in the Washington, D.C. area and I'm probably giving it away. They're from the Washington, D.C. area and they're just a dope athlete, all around incredible champion. Yeah, that's what I'm going to say, champion. Just to give you a few tidbits of who I'm talking about because I know you'll be able to uncover. They have excelled honestly at every level from youth and juniors 2015 and 16 as the junior national champion, 2015 as the ITU world champion, silver medalist, 2016-2017 IT junior world champion, 2018 under 23 world champion. Okay, now let's get into the 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 bigger ones, or I guess as an adult one, you know, 2020 silver medalist on the relay team. 2022, yeah. 2022, 2023, back to back 70.3 world champion. (laughs) And then in August, 2023, she says, you know what, I'm just... Yeah, I did just clap. Coming all out and I am taking over for the 9-9 in the 2023s. Just kidding. But PTO champion. And most recently, she competed in her first ever full Ironman. Did she try beginner's luck or what? Yes, she did. So guess what? I get to welcome the exhilarating athlete to watch, one of the most witty, kind, generous, smart people you will meet. Yeah, you know who I'm talking about. Taylor Nib. Welcome to the Tribe Beginners Luck Podcast. Taylor, how you doing? Well, thank you for having me. It's taken a while, but thank you for having me. It's okay. You know, I believe in timing and the right timing and perfect timing right? Everything happens when it's supposed to be. And I think 
the way this year was set up, it wasn't meant for us to do it earlier because then I wouldn't have gotten, I wouldn't have had the opportunity to witness you in your first full Ironman attempt, which is you being able to try all over again from zero because you had never experienced it. And this podcast is all about trying beginner's luck. So that to me was worth it, the wait. It was worth it. it. <laughs> yes, it was, it was all about it. timing. <laughs> it was, it was. So Taylor and I kind of go way back. Not really, but yes, we do. So this has been a work in progress. Like for me reaching out to your mom, like pretty much harassing her via email, like, hey, mom, Nib, how you doing? Do you think you could like reach out to your daughter for me? <laughs> but that just shows how persistent I am and willing to do the research to try to get guests on uh, because I believe that everyone, I wanted it to be like a combo situation for like Mother's Day a year ago, but you were just so busy. And she was like, she is so busy. And I respect that your mom is still like a mama's bear. So shout out to Miss Leslie Neb. Uh, we do appreciate her um, for all that she's done for sport and just recently gotten appointed as one of the board of directors for USA Triathlon. So that's kind of cool. Yes, I'm super excited for her. But yes, she also is very protective and very aware. And there are certain times of the year where like right now, like I'm told kind of say yes to everything, not everything, everything within reason. And this is like perfect timing for me. But then a lot of the year, like I have to say no and it just like that's just the way it is so I trust the people around me I like I understand that they have reasons for everything and that's why they're in charge and they manage me well you got a squad you have a whole squad Taylor yes I'm very fortunate it's because otherwise I would be falling apart so I, <laughs> I I still am but it's just less so I'm just caught every day so I love it I love it so Taylor let's talk about this you got an opportunity to be around triathlon, like several people who had parents to get into sport. Right. And it's kind of one of the things that you've always known, and then you get to try yourself. So take us back to young Taylor and getting a taste of trying for the first time. What was it like? Like you watched your mom for a couple of years and then you dove into it. Like, take us back to those uh, prime years. Oh, well, I think like just growing up, I was fortunate enough to have parents who were both active. So my, my dad biked and ran and my mom swam, biked and ran. And it was about the time that my mom was getting back into triathlon. So I just got to witness it. And so it was just like, it was normal for us to, I remember actually, we would go watch the Marine Corps Marathon every year, whether or not my mom was racing or not. And so it was just like, something that's in DC, like it's a big event, but like, I doubt anyone else at my school, like kind of knew that was happening that weekend. And so just to see like so many people be active and like, kind of, that's the way you spend your weekend in my household, like growing up that that was just like, okay, this is not only normal, but it's just like fun. And it was like, I spent a lot of time on the CNO canal, that towpath and the Capitol Crescent trail as a kid. Like it was just like, and down at Haynes Point, like my mom would take us and the fun thing would she like load the bikes up in the back and we'd drive down somewhere and ride safely. Like, and that was just, we would do that. Like I didn't do a ton of organized sports, but like it was just active. And then eventually I just, I wanted to do it too. Cause I thought it was so cool. Like that's what everyone else I was watching did. So I wanted to do it. 
The fact that you guys had family trips to watch MCM is pretty incredible because that's an amazing race in DC, but it's hard not to get energized from that because it is so awesome to watch. Have you yeah. ever run MCM? Oh no, my, my first and only marathon was oh, in Kona. Right. So Duh. it was like, <laughs> but Duh. it's, no, no, but there are so many races that like kind of go with it. Um, I think like I did a lot of road races as a kid and just like, like that's what we did on our weekends. And so like, I know that that's kind of unique. Um, and so, but it, it wasn't like my mom was pressuring me. It was always like, if I didn't want to go, I could continue to sleep, but I always wanted to go. Um, Cause I actually got a, a question recently from someone who was like, okay, I want to get my fifth and sixth grader into triathlon. How do I do it? And I'm like, well, I'm the wrong person to ask. Cause it was very much like my mom was like, no, no, no that's enough. Like, stop, <laughs> hold it back here. Cause I was like, okay. And another race and another race, like just, <laughs> I want to do it. Oh man, you're right. Like I knew that your first and only was Kona, but you know how it's just like a questioning. You just go right into the next point. You're like, yeah. No, Mashonda, back it up, back it up. Well, your mom didn't have to pressure you because you grew up in it and you saw it and you were energized by it. And so hearing that your dad was a cyclist makes a lot of sense. Your mom being swim, bike, run, and your dad was, was it run and bike? Yes, he just, okay. he can't swim. He- <laughs> He'll get in the, well, he can physically swim, but he'll get in the water. He'll swim at 25 without a breath. And then he'll be like, I can't breathe. And I'm like, well, you didn't breathe. So it's <laughs> learning how to breathe. He's just still very like scared of the water. Of the water. Um, and that's like, I understand that I'm fortunate enough that like my mom had me in swim lessons from when I was like six months old, I think. Like that was just, she wanted me to feel comfortable in the water. So that was like, I know that's a huge advantage that I probably take for granted most days. Yeah. I don't think you take that for granted, Taylor. Mm. Well, I, but I don't, I just don't know. Cause I'll complain about my swim and like where I want it to be based on where I want it to be. And then there's some people who are like, well, like if they learned how to swim as an adult, it's just different. And I just, I only have one life. I only know what it's like to yeah. grow up swimming. So I don't know yeah. what it's like the other way. I can see what you mean by that, but you just always seem to, you always seem, at least when I've seen you in interviews, just you come from it from a place of gratitude, but you are harder on yourself, right? Because you want to grow and you want to increase. And I just think that's your personality of wanting to get better, right? Like that's just what you want to do. So I don't think you're necessarily are not grateful, but it is, it's your life. You only grew up as a swimmer or not only because you're a runner as well, but that's just what you are fortunate as. And there's a lot of people who don't have access to swimming and there's people who do. And I think you just fall in the line of you had the access and you've taken it and now you get to use it to your maximum advantage. So let's talk about high school or growing up swimming because you were a part of, what is it? National Capital Swim Club for a while? Yes, Nation's Capital Swim Club. Nation's, Nation's Capital Swim Club. And so what years did you start swimming? Like when did you start swimming competitively? Well, I don't know. Like, so DC has a lot of summer leagues and I was mm -hmm. like, that was, that. Uh, that's how I started swimming. And it was, it was actually about a swimsuit though. Um, my, like, cause my mom had had me in swim lessons and I really wanted this swimsuit. And she's like, okay, you can have that swimsuit if you do the stroke clinic that like this summer swim team had in the winter. 
And it was like once a week, Sunday nights. And I'm like, okay, like deal. Like, I really want that swimsuit. So what does it take? Like, uh, we'll do the trade-off. And then because I was like probably five or six, like I wasn't that old, you grow. And so the swimsuit, I grew out of it before I wore it out. That doesn't happen anymore. I wear them out now. Like, so anyway, so like summer comes around and I wanted the swimsuit again. I wanted the same one just to repeat. That's a common theme in my life. I just repeat, like, I like the same things. And so my mom's like, okay, I'll get you another one if you do the swim team. And so like, again, like it was always my choice. Like if you want to, if you want this thing, like you have to earn it and do it. And like, this is like, cause she wanted me to do swim team. So I'm like, okay, like I'll do that. And then it was like, like I was just hooked. Like that was, I was doing stroke clinic again. I was doing swim team. And then, but I, but like swim team, like I think a lot of my sporting has been that like, I'm not very good at first, like, and I don't like that. And so then it's like, okay, how do I get better? And so at first it was like doing the summer swim team. And then I wanted to do all year round winter swimming and then like slowly building that. And then like, it was just like one thing after the next, but I'm just like, it was like very much driven by me. I feel bad. My brother got taken along for the ride. Cause it was like, Oh, Taylor's doing winter swimming. You're doing winter swimming. And <laughs> he's like, why am I swimming three times a week? Like, <laughs> this isn't what I signed up for. Um, but yeah, so that's, it just kind of like, it just snowballs. And then I don't know where it takes me. Speaking of your brother, are you the oldest or your brother's the oldest? I'm older. I'm 21 months older. So we're two grades apart in school, but like we're less than two years apart in age. So, yeah. And so your brother, although he swims, is he equally as active as you currently? Oh, not at all. Cause I think he went the other route. Cause like, I was just like, and it was similar. So if you think about it, like no two kids grow up in the same environment because mm -hmm. my home environment had my parents and a younger brother and his home environment had two parents and an older sister. Mm -hmm. And I just loved everything a bit too much. And he didn't get the choices that I got. So it was, <laughs> he kind of went the other way. He like, if like he does not he he does not do triathlons he lifts weights like it's just a very polar opposites that's interesting he's like whatever taylor's doing i'm doing the opposite done yeah. <laughs> i love it okay taylor so you gravitated towards swimming one of the things that i heard that you said was that at first you're not very good at it but then you don't like it and so you work harder at it how many people can resonate with you on that? Like there are so many people who may not be naturally good at first, but work at it and then become good. You obviously are exceptionally good at things when you get to them because you nail down in them. What is that process like for you? Like, for instance, you know, thinking back to swimming, okay, you might not have thought you were really good at swimming and then you just went to all the swim classes uh, the swim camps during the summertime, the running, like, what was that like for you with each of the disciplines? Well, I can tell you that it's not like, it's not an overnight success story. And it's not like anything like dramatic that happens. The nice thing is that normally, like, especially with swimming, like, it was like at my swim team, I was like, I can't even tell you what place there was like this six and under trophy race. 
And it was all the six and unders raced each other. And like, I was probably 10th or 12th. And this is like a very small team. Like you race these people. And so like, I'm starting from what I consider pretty much the bottom. Like, I don't Mm -hmm. think there were much more than 10 people. That's where I fell. And so then like, like, unfortunately, progress is addicting. So it's like, wherever you're starting from, it's like, if you get a little bit better, then it's like, you just, (laughs) it ropes you in. So it's not like you're like, last one year and first the next year. Like, I don't think I ever won in especially summer swimming, but it was like, I was just like, I started at such a level that if I got a little bit better every year, it was just like, so addicting. But Mm. I don't know, do you find that? Look at you asking me questions. I would have to agree with you. I never thought about it as being progress, being addicting or addictive, but it is because you see yourself getting better and you want to go after it even more. And I think for me, that has been the case with um, cycling and running. So I grew up as a swimmer, so I know I can swim. And if I really put the effort into swimming, like I'm not ever really worried about swimming. But it's the cycling and seeing how the watts increase and being able to sustain at each watt level and your FTP growing. You're like, oh, but I'm really getting better at this. And you you see those incremental wins and you're like, heck, yeah. And for me on the running side, like running is where I really need to see like the maximum improvement. And this year I actually took this class called um, uh, it's a chi running class uh, here locally with uh, Lloyd Henry uh, with On Point and. I learned how to run more relaxed. I run very tense and I am very like tense in a lot of things. And so to be able to run with relaxing and have proper form, I had never learned how to do that until this year. And I saw tremendous results. And so that was a part of me finding the joy in running again. And so now I'm enjoying running, which means I can kind of go back to the tri space and put it all together again. So, yeah. Yes. And that, and that's also the fun part, but it's like, isn't it running is. strange because like, I'm sorry. Like, I think you actually have to learn to run like, cause I feel like, no, no, no. But like, I, and, and I, I'm saying that because I feel like I'm in a similar process of like, you're talking about learning how to relax. Like I'm, I feel like I've been learning that, especially this summer and fall, but it's like, it's this thing that expect yeah. it's, you're expected to be so natural. Like, Oh, like, and I think also like when you look at at someone who has like good running form I don't know about you but it's like oh they're such a good runner like that seemed like I don't know if there's just like the idea that it's so natural and that like it just came to them overnight and yeah. for some people it probably does but like it doesn't mean you like with running especially like learning how to run like it's an art a little bit it is and that's the thing that people don't tell you in these books there is <laughs> truly an art to it and not just the art about it but to your everybody has a unique style Everybody has a a natural style and you can't go out. I can't go out and try to cop Taylor Nib style. I got to be Mashonda within the Mashonda confines of what I've been blessed with in terms of my body, you know, physiology, et cetera. Well, and also I can tell you like, you don't want to copy me. I'm far from perfect, but I'm also trying to like learn and improve. So it's like, if you're trying to copy anyone else, you also don't know where they are in their journey. And so who knows, like, they might be before like a major injury or they might be coming off of an injury or they might be like also in the midst of like really not enjoying it or loving it or somewhere in between. And you just don't know. So it's like your journey. It's your journey. That's it. It is your journey. Now let's bring it back to your journey. Like 
we've talked about being a part of the summer league in DC and watching MCM and growing up in this environment of being active and just wanting to do it. Could you take me back to the first time you signed up or your mom signed you up for your first triathlon? Well, so that was the 2009 Tri-Columbia Kids with a Z triathlon. I don't know if you like, if you know about Tri-Columbia, they used mm -hmm. to be a bigger organization in the DC area and they had a kids race. It was, oh, it was in Columbia, Maryland, I think. Mm -hmm. And like, it was a swim in a pool, um, a bike. And it was, I think like a four mile bike and then a run. And it was like each for like different ages. And I don't remember a lot about it. I just remember like, I loved the whole experience and I was like really bummed when it was over that I didn't get to do it again the next day. Um, but like I've seen pictures recently from that and, oh, I just looked so nervous beforehand, but I was also just so excited. And it was like, it was just like, it's the whole experience because it's not only like, it was like the picking up the packets the day before. And like a big thing was like, my mom always had those wristbands for the races. And I just wanted a wristband like my mom. I don't think I took it off for a little while. Like, but like the little details, like it, like it made me feel like it was real. Um, And then like the race morning, like I love being nervous. It's probably weird, <laughs> but I just like love those feelings. And then like the race itself is probably like back half. I think I had like five water bottles for a, 30 minute race. And then, but then like, but like even that race, like, I think I was third in my age group and I don't think there were very many athletes. And so like, again, I just like, like, I, like I was just like, okay, like that's good, but I want more like mm. the, again, the theme. So the theme it's good, but I want more. That may be the title of this. It's good, <laughs> but I want more. So let's talk about that more. So 2009 between 2009 and 2014, that was the, those years when you really kind of zoned into sport, right? Because 2014 is when you started to participate on a national scale or at least a little bit more of a national scale. And that's when you started to start to place in events. So what was that like between 2009 and 2014 from your first event through to say the first year of competing on a national and more on, on, a, yeah, on a more national level? Yeah, I think it was, well, so like in 2010, I can tell you, I wanted to do a sprint. It was kind of like, I wanted to move up in distance. Mm -hmm. And um, so, and none of the races really allowed, however old I was at 12 year old to race. They had minimum ages and it was normally like 13, 14, 15. Mm -hmm. So um, there was this great race called, it was the salute to the military triathlon. It was yes. in, I think, Bristow, Virginia. And my mom emailed Kent Barker, the race director. And he was like, she like kind of explained the situation that I wanted to race. And she said, and I'm happy to like race next to her. I don't think that would be legal for USAT rules thinking back to it, but like we did the race together. So she like swam af right after me because it's like single person starts. And then she rode her bike next to me and we did the run together and like we raced together. Um, And it was just kind of like, then I did kind of the Virginia triathlon series when I was old enough. And then in 2013, I went into race St. Anthony's triathlon. And I went to, they had a, there was this like women's clinic led by Jennifer Hutchison. And she was not only like, she's a very, very good coach and she had a youth and junior team. And I was going to race the Richmond 
like youth elite cup the next weekend. So I had some questions that I wanted to ask her and she's so kind. She would like tell you the story about how like naive my questions were. Like I was asking like, do you wear like flip in shoes? And I don't know if you've been to a draft legal race, like for like youth elite, like it's so intense and it's so unwelcoming. Like if I could change something, it would be like, like, uh, like going to that race. Like it was so like, cause everyone's in their team and everyone has their people and it's just not very, it's not, there's, it's not like if you're going alone, trying it out, it's not very inclusive. So I would like, I hope like I'd want to like improve that. But anyway, so she was very kind and she kind of got me on the right track of like, cause I just been going up in distance and that's one way, but she's like, no, like here's kind of how you want to develop to get faster and like go youth elite. It's a super sprint. So half of a sprint. And then it led me to the draft legal pathway and that kind of that, that like that kind of not change in path, but like, like assertion of the route really helped me in my development. So I have a lot to thank for her. I love that. And I love the fact that even, I guess being a teenager is just being a teenager. It doesn't matter at what level you think, oh no, it wasn't probably like that. But to to hear you say that it wasn't very welcoming and inclusive in say 2013, that speaks a lot. And hopefully maybe that's one of the things that can get better with time and with you kind of being an advocate for that to let people know like, hey, be welcoming into sport. That's one of my big things. It's like, hey, there's enough for everybody. Like, let's just be welcoming if we want the sport to grow and people to have like a good feeling about this. We really need to expand how we think about sport in general. And that starts with the babes on up to seasoned athletes. Well, yes. I mean, I don't want to, I really like, I don't want to get too far ahead of ourselves, but that was one of the most interesting things about me racing Kona. Hold up. Wait a minute. You mean to tell me there is an organization breaking down the financial barrier to compete in triathlons? Yes. Yes, there is. Fund Her Tri is doing just that. They're a 501c3 nonprofit organization chartered to bringing more women to every triathlon start line. That means they are tackling the financial barrier by reimbursing the race registration fees for first-time triathletes that are female or identify as female. So if that's you, apply today or share with a friend you know wants to try. Visit fundhertri.org to apply. Oh, and if you've been doing triathlons for a while, consider donating or becoming a mentor. Visit www that fund her try for more information is that everyone had their opinion on why I should or shouldn't race and I'm like you really don't know much about me you don't know much about what I do you don't know much about me as a person you don't know kind of my aims and goals and intentions and like but you have a very strong opinion about this and I'm kind of like why does it mean so much to you like Mm. either way like, I'm like, you know what, like, you, but for those both supporting me and those saying it was like the worst decision of my life, it was like, hmm, that's kind of interesting. Like, why, why do you have such a strong opinion? Um, and people are entitled to that, but they don't need to share. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> like, they don't can't. be sorry. You have the free reins to, this is your <laughs> podcast now, Taylor. I'm going to sit back and just let you talk because I don't have to do anything, girl. Um, but no, I, I agree with you. And I think I don't have the answer for why people have the opinions or share it, but I think if it's, it's kind of like going back to that golden rule, if you don't have anything nice to say, don't say it at all. Right. But that wouldn't make this world in 2023, this world, because people thrive on clickbait, uh, sayings, you know, let's give our opinion. Like that's what people thrive on these days. And I think to your point, 
just chill. Just chill. It, it's okay. People have a lot of opinions about a lot of things, but I guess that's the right. We can talk. I got a lot of, Taylor, I have a lot of opinions. Well, and that's but, great. And like, I don't always say them because my opinions may not always be nice. <laughs> so therefore I don't say anything at all, but I got opinions. I got lots of them. I'm a very opinionated person. Anyway, we will come back to that because I think that's important. Um, I did see some of those things about people. We'll come back to that. We're going to come back to that. So 2014, you're racing. This is the first time you probably went out of the country and raced in 2014. In 2014. What was that year like? Because that's the year you placed third at junior, uh, at junior nationals. And so you were just getting your feeding under you had had your conversations with your coaches by the, by way, like, did your mom coach you from 2009 to 2013? No, she never coached me in triathlon. It was more, I had a swim coach, I had a swim program. And so that was like the basis of my training. And then if I wanted to ride my bike or run, I did, but I can tell you, I didn't really like, it was more like, I just kind of like, I, I, I did, but like, but I was swimming so much. So it's like, I just had that kind of aerobic base. And then when I wanted to race, I did. And so it was like, it like, it was very fun. It was just like, so you just had fun and was like, if I want to, I do it. And then you just go out there and excel. Well, I wouldn't say like, it was like a wow, like they were good, but it was also like, I had a lot of room to grow, but I can also, I can tell you that like the amount of swimming I was doing, I couldn't do that today. Like it just, it's just another level. And so, um, but I also played ice hockey. So you're going to be like, there's another ringer thrown into it. So I also didn't have a lot of time. So your mom made, well, you, you made sure that you were very active growing up because you decided what you wanted to do. Oh yes. And, 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 oh, oh, my, my dad. So my, my dad played ice hockey growing up. He wanted like my brother and I played ice hockey. And, but I wanted to swim too. And so my swim practice went from five to six 30 on Tuesdays and Thursdays. And my hockey practice went from six 30 to seven 30. So, um, how is that feasible? And I can tell you they were four miles apart and six. And so I'd get out early. I'd swim an hour in swim practice most days. And then my dad would drive me to hockey practice. Like it was a, I had to change in the car, like have a snack and like get on the ice, like rapid and, but like, and so that's also the dedication that he had. Like he was like very supportive of that and they were okay with me doing both. So yeah, it's not normal. I know that. Um, but yes. And they didn't say like, pick one. It was like, okay, you want to do both. How do we make it work? So that's, that's, that's kind of the theme now of like, don't pick a distance. Like, how do you make it work? And it might, and no, I didn't get the whole hour and a half of swimming that my peers were getting, but I had an hour on the ice and it made me happy. And like, I loved that. So I was still moving. So I feel like one of your big philosophies is doing what makes you happy. And as long as you're happy, that gives you the drive you need to keep growing and learning and growing, you know, and just moving forward. So that's, is that your key? Yes. Except for if you asked any of my friends, I have a firm, like I, like, I think it's, I think it's probably more than just happiness because happiness is a fleeting emotion. So like if your goal is to be happy, 
it's kind of not possible because there are going to be like, first of all, like you have to have the sadness to experience the happiness or else you're just kind of like living in a gray zone. Like you don't like it just like the, the boundaries help, but also like, so then it's kind of an unachievable goal, but like as a whole, are you enjoying it? Are you becoming a better person? Like, do you enjoy waking up every day? And no, not every, like, I don't love waking up every single day. Like some days I want to roll over, but like, (laughs) but on the whole, like, is it kind of the life you want to live? Is it what you want to do? So I guess like it's, I probably use happiness too much, but like enjoyment, fulfillment, meaning, joy, like those words. And that's where the psychology major comes out, you know, because now we're getting into the root of happiness because it is a fleeting emotion. (laughs) Doing good and I just get, happiness is a fleeting emotion. Uh, My first marathon was, uh, but it's okay because this is my first time interviewing you. And so there should be some nervousness. We learned that earlier in um, this month, we learned after I was talking to some team Zooters and we learned that nervousness means you care. And so that just means I care. Yes. Well, well, and as I said earlier, like, I'm sorry, I love nervousness. Like I love that energy. Like I think it, like it can bring out the best in you. Cause also like, it's not only that you care, but it like, it just like gives you that extra energy. Clearly it doesn't bring out the best in me because I'm flubbing, right? And so like earlier today, I'm trying to like do real work and I'm like, oh, I can't focus, I can't focus. Shut up, you gotta do work. And I'm like, I can't, I can't. I have this big interview today. And I'm like, so that's me. That that's This is what was happening for me. Whereas you thrive with nervousness and I'm like, this is for the birds, okay? Like, you know these things and they just just escape out into the blue worlds or whatever anyway well you know I actually I once in high school I think I sent one of my teachers an email it was like I missed school for a race it was a triathlon it was in Chicago and I was like I think we may have like this is like I realized back I'm like wow you were bold but it was kind of like I was like doing something and I like it was I had to send in some draft or something like that of some paper and somehow I like I, I said something along the lines of like, well, I shut off of 24 hours before a race. So I'm not going to be doing any more work. And like, like that minute, I'm like, wow, like <laughs> I probably shouldn't have done that. <laughs> but I like as you learned, like I set my boundaries. So I guess like in terms of like the nervousness everyone held, like I get I'm pretty controlling, I think, but I get more controlling as like the more nervous I get. So I guess everyone handles it in a different way. Yeah, we do. Yeah, we do. But that was bold. That was ballsy, as they would call it. Hey, excuse me. I shut down 24 hours before a race. I will not be doing work. Goodbye. Yeah. And do you think that worked in college? No. No, (laughs) Like I was writing papers that I remember one paper was due midnight, but the night before a race. And it was like, like we'd had a bus ride. It was like 1134. We just got into our hotel and I'm like, I have 26 minutes to submit this paper. Like (laughs) my race goes off in eight hours. (laughs) Like (laughs) just different worlds. Just different worlds. mellows you out because you just learn you just can't control it all. Like college was the best experience for me. Really? Okay, we'll get to that. So college mellowing Taylor out. Let's just hit it right then. What was it about college that mellowed you out in a way that you felt was beneficial? Well, so I think that with the 
so I was on a team I ran cross-country and track and just like when you're on a team like like thing I love efficiency and so like like I would wake up at 4 12 for a 4 30 a.m swim practice like not 4 11 not 4 13 it was 4 12 because that's the time I needed to be able to get in the pool like it was calculated down to the minute and that's kind of how I like to operate um Maybe it was also like my school growing up, we had four minute passing periods, not five, four. So we ended at 319 every day. Like classes started at 949 a.m. Like it was just like, well, not every day. They started at eight and then it went from there. But like, mm-hmm. it was just like down to the minute, like you knew the minutes mattered. So like, I think college was just different because so many people. And so like, it's just like, in, it's just different. So like the team especially like you just you're on another person's schedule and you make do and like and that you can't was control bad. that you can't control them or that person but that 412 wake up that's interesting 412 for that 430 you were literally rolling out of bed and walking down to the swimming pool oh, no this was in high school yeah we lived a mile away from the pool so it was okay. like like a three minute drive in the morning so yeah but everything was very like calculated wow all right so speaking of high school Sidwell friends you got to be in high school with some pretty cool people yeah so I think that like they had parents who were doing very cool things and they were kind of just subjected to extra attention because of that and like not robbed but just like their parents choices of what they did had a dramatic impact of the attention that they were getting and they just wanted to be normal high schoolers so like so but was it well normal high schoolers like were you guys normal in school uh well I don't know what normal is it was my normal um that's that's (laughs) facts Taylor you checking me today (laughs) No, but but I think I think the reality check was there was kind of so so I know it's unique in that like, like there it wasn't there was there wasn't the question of if you were going to college, it was where you were going to college. Mm. And there was also kind of an unspoken rule that you didn't talk about it. So yeah. everyone knew that they were applying to like probably the same 12 schools in the United States, but no one was allowed to ask where you're applying or where you're going or anything about that. And that was just like an unspoken rule. And I remember in, I was at swim practice. So with kids from other schools, like that was my reality check. And it was so like, cause there was like a lot of the other kids who I swam with didn't go to Sidwell. Um, and so one of the guys, he went to Gonzaga. He's like, Hey Taylor, like, where are you thinking going to college? It was probably like October senior year, like very tense time. And I'm like, what did you just ask me? Like, <laughs> like you don't ask that question. And then it was like, oh wow, this is a massive reality check. Like, what is going on at Sidwell that like that's unex that's unacceptable, unacceptable to ask? Um, so it was like, and then and then we talked about it, and it's kind of like realizing why I had that reaction. Um, but yeah, I think there's just like a lot of pressure on that topic and a lot of like mm. this will determine your whole future where you get in so like which it doesn't it doesn't like like newsflash <laughs> so it's it's more what you do in college or what you do after but that's like it felt like the whole world was collapsing the whole senior year so yeah. it was a great environment 
Um, but <laughs> yes. So I was also glad to get out of that environment and go to college and like be with people who that wasn't their experience. And they were just so mm. excited to be at school. And I was like, wow, this is nice. Mm. Like, So coming from a Sitwell Friends and going to Cornell, where you were on the swim team there and the cross country team, mm -hmm. you still continue to try throughout those years. How was that balancing triathlon? How was that balancing triathlon with your swim team, collegiate schoolwork and cross country? It was, it was an experience. I wouldn't necessarily do it again. Um, like, I, like I'm glad I did it. I don't yeah. think I could do four years like that again. I mm -hmm. think like I would kind of just stumble across the end of the semester and I'd be like a wreck for a few weeks after, which probably wasn't productive. Um, mm -hmm. I like, and I felt like they're like by junior fall. So my fifth semester, I'm like, oh, I nailed it. Like I finally did it. Like I nailed it. And then like senior spring was probably my worst of junior year is probably my worst semester of college. So it was kind of like, it was just luck then. It was like, mm. okay, like I didn't really nail it. I haven't figured it out. And maybe it's not possible to figure out, like, like do the best you can and move on. Um, and so like, I'm grateful that I kept racing because I think it was important for me to keep my toe in and it, like, it gave me a great launching pad for when I finished school. Um, but like to make that transition, but it was just like, it wasn't, I had a lot of very poor results. I had a lot of poor races and it was, it was tough to understand at the time that like, it's okay. It's kind of normal and like based on what you're doing and it's still valuable, even if it's not what you want, but it will help you in the future. Let's talk about that. It's not what you want, but it will help you in the future. And th that experience was valuable because a lot of people don't talk about the quote unquote dark days, right? The, the not so great finishes. Can you help us by what you mean by that and share a little bit about that. Well, I think it's easier when you're like, when you're on the other side, because you can look back and you can see like, okay, like I still learned a lot. Um, I think that racing, you always can learn. And that's why I love racing so much. Um, but because I wasn't racing the way I wanted to, I think I learned more because I was in positions that I'd never been in before, like both physically in a race and mentally. And that's mm -hmm. like, Cause it is, I think it's very stressful in a race, like to be in a position that you don't want to be in mm -hmm. because then it can like, it can be easy to catastrophize and just like, let yourself get out of control. So it's kind of like, okay, even if I'm not in a position that I want to be in, how do I still get the best out of myself? How do I still keep racing as if I were in a position that I wanted to be in and not letting it kind of like, just like, I don't know, like fishtail die out, like. It's just like, it's, it's just tough because it's stressful for a different situation. It's like, like, cat, like uh, the opposite in the spectrum is when you're racing better than you think. And it's like, you have so much energy and it just fuels you. And it's like self-motivating versus it's like, I don't know, I can really spiral when I'm not where I want to be um, and just learning how to catch yourself. And like, how do you, excuse me, get from each moment to the next and just keep moving forward. Mm. And what were some things that you did to move to the next moment? In the race or in like life? just in life, like to get you out of that quote unquote, how you said you were perhaps fishtailed out 
and getting yourself back up to build yourself back up so that you want to continue to try. Because you say when you're up at the top and you're there, it's like you have the energy to keep you there. But what did you do to get to that point so that you want to get back into racing? Well, I think the best thing was I graduated college. That's one really helpful thing. And then ironically, I immediately got injured. Um, and so like, that sounds like, that sounds like the opposite. That sounds like really counterintuitive. Um, but I think that because it was then like, no, this is what I want to do. And like, sometimes when you can't do something, you realize how much you want to do something. And Mm -hmm. so then it's like, no, like I really want to like, and also like the benefit of having an injury, um, is that especially when you have to take time off, I had to take eight weeks completely off. Um, you get to build back from scratch which like, that's also like, it's tough. And oh, being out of shape is like, not fun. But the benefit is that you can build a really good foundation. And you can like, whenever you're starting from new, like form really good habits that are harder to form when you're like busy and in it, because like, you might not, you're not doing as much probably. And so it's like, okay, how do you do the little things well? And how do you like do everything that you need to do and build up the correct way? And then from that point, you're also making progress. And again, progress is addicting. So it's like, and you might not see it and it might be going downhill first and then uphill back again. But it's like, like having faith and belief in the process that like, you know what, like, it'll get like, it might like things will look different in a week or things will look different in a month and Mm. like just getting there and just like following like the best to your ability every single day. And what you just described is success, not being linear, right? The ups (laughs) and the downs. (laughs) No, it's not at all. (laughs) The ups and the downs, but doing the habit stacking things and being able to reset kind of what I was talking about at the beginning. It's like reset, restore, like you get yourself back to a better position where you can come back even stronger. So I admire that. So we graduated from high school. I meant college. <laughs> well, yeah, you did graduate from high school. Then you went to college and you graduated from high school, college. I keep saying high school. You graduated from college, you get injured, but then 2021 comes around and Thank goodness we had COVID, right? Because who knew that the world would kind of sort of stop. And then 2021 comes around and you qualify for the Olympics, but then also participate in the Olympics. Now that was an experience. What was that like? Well, I felt like, so I would not have gone if it had been in 2020. I wasn't ready. Like that extra year really helped me. Um, And I was like grateful for that opportunity it was nothing like you can't imagine what it'll be like. You just kind of have to experience it. Um, and I know it was a different Olympic experience because it was COVID. And so everything was very unique. Um, and I think that there were probably some benefits to the games of like, yes, it was different and yes, no fans could come, but like there were also some benefits to that. And that like, I felt like the athletes really got to know each other better, especially like the triathletes. Like I felt like, because like no one had family there, like we were the only people who were there. Um, and it was kind of level playing field for everyone. Like no families had to think, Oh, do we have to go to Tokyo or not? Like, it was just, no, we can't go. Like no one can go. It's just kind of like, like I, I understand the value of that. Um, and so, but yeah, like, but also like the, like the experience was great. My individual race was not great. Um, 
but it's kind of like that again, like <laughs> success is not linear. And it really helped my racing block after that, because it was like, okay, kind of what went wrong? Why did it go wrong? And like, I don't like these feelings. I don't like how I felt during the race. I don't like how I felt after the race. How do I never let that happen again? Um, mm. And so like, thankfully my turn was very quick. I was very fortunate because I had the fitness. And so it wasn't a fitness thing. It was more like an executing thing and figuring that out. Um, and I was fortunate enough. And then I kind of went on a racing rampage, probably not the healthiest, but that's how I suppressed my emotions. Um, <laughs> and then, At least you know how you do it. Oh, yes. Uh, yes, I do. Um, and then but that like it, it allowed me to race long course for the first time, which I really enjoyed. And that's kind of been a new thing that I've been enjoying. Um, cause it just gives me a little bit more space and it's cause like the short course world is very isolated. Um, and so similarly how like in high school, like what's normal at school is one thing, but swimming gave me that outside outlet. I think that now having both racing outlets really give me, gives me perspective for each. And the fact that you're doing them well at a very high level it's very unique because there's some people who just, they focus on short course and that's all they do. And then you have people who focus on long course and that's all they do, but you teeter back and forth between the line. What is that like for your body and your well, mental think, space when you're training? Well, I think it helps me because like, I'm not focused on one thing all year round. I get mm -hmm. to focus on like, like for me, like to race Kona was a huge mental break from like the short course racing. And even like, some distancing from the competitors. Like I was racing a whole new set of women and like, that's just fun for me and to do different things. Um, and so then it's like a six week break that I still get to work on my craft in some sense, but just a little bit different. And now like heading back into the short course racing, like Olympic year, I'm really excited. Um, and I don't think I'd have that level of excitement without that little stepping back. Like you said, like resting and rejuvenated. Like, I think that there's also, you can kind of step to a parallel track for lack of a better term. And like, you're just like, you feel like you're stepping off the train. Cause like the train keeps going and it's just mm -hmm. like, you have a little control, like it gives you control. Speaking of this control, let's go back to talk about your first Kona experience, because I think that's, again, you got to try again as a beginner. Like you had, you had no idea what you were entering into. You came in as a novice, not novice in the sense of you never raced before, but novice in terms of you've never done the distance before. What was that like for you? You said that the training was more of a mental break, but then the race itself, you were, you had some classic first time like mistakes, like just stuff that just happened that you couldn't control. So what was that like for you? Well, so I think that that's like, that made the experience more valuable. Um, mm -hmm. like, so my, my, like my lead up wasn't perfect. It was far from perfect, but I still wanted to race. And so I kind of knew, like, I couldn't race how I normally race, like, because like I had to have wattage caps versus like wattage guidelines. Like I had strict things in terms of like, you need to get to the finish line, Taylor. And that's not really like, you don't have any other options. Like you kind of have one, one strategy. And so it's like, but you know what, like appreciating the opportunity is like still giving my best effort and still taking advantage of that. But yeah, it made for a lot of like problem solving on the day. And like, but I think that's kind of like, I think part of the environment of Ironman is that in, in an eight to 17 hour race, like it's not going to be perfect. Like, and if you're expecting it to, it's going to be horrible because like, okay, kind of just like, 
what happened, how do you solve it, and how do you move forward and just like do the best you can? Because everyone's facing challenges on the day, whether it's like physical, mental, emotional, in the lead up, in the day of, like it's just it's it's a tough day and you elongate that and sorry like you're not gonna have luck for eight to 17 hours straight I don't think but who knows <laughs> the fact that you said eight to 17 hours the language of inclusivity is just real because you're right the people who finish through eight have some of the same challenges as the people who finish in 17 and anything in between and so to think that you're going to go out there and do it with a peachy keen day it's highly unlikely. I mean, it might be a great day, like you've executed well, but you've experienced some challenges along the way. Well, yeah. Or maybe you're just expecting so awful that it feels like a perfect day because you just had all the expectations that everything would go to shit, like, or excuse me, <laughs> everything would go horribly. <laughs> like, and then it's like, wow, I had the perfect day because I thought there'd be disaster every second. And there was only one every five minutes. Like, <laughs> That is so much truth. What is your takeaway from this experience? Because we know you, we know you like to grow. That's not enough. I want more. Like you want more. So what does more look like for you in 2024? Because see, now you're planning 2024. Like, will you have the time to do long course Olympics, we haven't even talked about time trial in there because that's a whole nother beast that we've encountered this year in 2023. So what does that look like for you? Well, I think it's like, it's kind of like, I don't know because like, I don't know if I'll have the time. I don't know if I'll want to give the time because you guys like in, in choosing to do something, you're saying no to everything else. And mm. so like choosing to put my best foot forward on July 31st, like that says no to a lot of other things. Um, And it just kind of makes that, no statement and then kind of what's possible and like as you said like I do want to put my best foot forward the next time I race an Ironman so it's like do I have the time and space to do that and will I be respecting my competitors respecting the distance respecting the event enough if I only have like 53 days in between the Olympics and Nice like is that enough um and if it is or isn't do I still want to try like it's just like answering these questions and I think like Unfortunately, I might be the only one who can answer them for myself. Like, I'd love to have someone just answer them for me and predict the future. But sometimes you have to put yourself out there and like, and that's the fun of it. Because like, at the end of the day, if you, if you just want to try it and you're okay with anything that happens, like biggest, biggest success or worst failure, like that you can imagine, like, it's just like, why not? Why not do it? Mm. That's good stuff. So essentially we don't know what she's going to be racing y'all. That's all she's telling us. She gave us a really nice answer of saying, we'll have to wait and find out, which is fine because who doesn't want to track you throughout the year to see what you're doing. And you're right. July 31st, that's your, that's the goal. That's what you're training for. So we appreciate you for giving us a little tidbit into not giving us really a lot of anything, but it's okay, Taylor. It's okay. It's okay. Speaking of July 31st, you're also perhaps seeking a time trial situation to see if you can qualify for both. Is that accurate? Yes. I'm still not sure though. Cause again, like I want to, I want to put my best foot forward. I don't know if I'll have the time the to time. like, like really do that. Um, and I, and I don't want to 
like, and I want to do them well if I can. So I'm still figuring out if I can do it, if I want to do it, kind of what motivates me. It's just, it's a different world and like cycling is just different. So I'm not sure yet. And so how does that, because cycling is very different, yet it still helps to promote what you're doing overall in triathlon, because when it comes to the cycling leg, you are a dominant force. You're technically a professional in both the cycling world because you're now on the track team. Yes, I was this year. Um, but I think, and that's, and that's also a part of like, in terms of in the triathlon world, like I kind of want to see what's possible. Possible. And, but, but I'm still not sure. It's figuring it out. Like, I think okay. I had a lot of learning this year. And so like right now I have a lot of questions and not a lot of answers. So yeah, yeah. we'll <laughs> leave it at that. that. We have to have a part two, but what yeah. do you want to, how do you, what would you say to a beginner who is looking to try, um, what would you encourage them as they're getting ready for 2024? Well, I think for anyone, it's kind of like, don't be afraid to try things, um, but do it for the right reasons. Like make sure that you want to do it. And I mean, like for the longest time, like everyone, like when, like I say, I'm a triathlete, it's like, oh, have you done an Ironman? And it's like, for the longest time I hadn't, I just, I wanted to do Conan this year for a separate reason. It wasn't to be able to tell everyone that I've done an Ironman. Um, but like do what works for you, do what excites you. And like everyone's journey is very unique. So like whatever 2024 looks like, like it just, it'll probably look different for you. I like that. Taylor, thank you. Thank you. We have um, this thing called rapid fire, where it's quick questions. We'll just ask you some quick questions and then we'll be out. We'll end this really, um, we'll wrap this, wrap this up in a bow because I can talk to you forever. Like we do talk. And so I know I can talk to you forever, but we'll wrap this up really quick. So rapid fire question, taper week. Do you love it or hate it? It depends. It depends on if I feel like I'm like fit enough for the race. Cause sometimes I'm like hanging on by a thread and just waiting for it. But other times I'm like, I need four more weeks for this race. Like I need a little bit more work in there. So it depends. Mm. I think I may know the answer to this one. I'm going to say try bike, TT bike or road bike. Well, that depends. Sorry. I'm, I, I love my tri bike. I, I'm going to say my tri bike. Yeah. I love it. Okay. Okay. Um, T1 or T2, which is more challenging for you? T2. I don't know what happens, but I suck. <laughs> like, oh, it's disastrous. Oh, it's disastrous. It's like, I actually sent an email to my coach this morning. I'm like, I need serious work on my transitions. And how would you recommend I attack this? Like, especially my T2, it almost always lets me down. I was not expecting that. So I was not ready for this answer. Usually people are like, oh, T1 because of the wetsuit. But you're like, T2, T2. That I can't is... get my shoes on without socks. Like, so in long course racing, it's all good. Because like I have my socks on. But somehow when my feet are like sweaty, like do they don't want to go into a shoe ever. So yeah, sorry. <laughs> Working on that. Okay. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you for sharing about your sweaty feet, Taylor. We appreciate that. Sorry. Um, it's okay. Um, I don't, 
even know what to do next. Okay, music artists. Who's your favorite music artist? Because you walk around sometimes when you're coming in with your beats on. So what are you listening to? Who's your favorite artist? Oh, I'm a seal judge. But so on Spotify, I'm in the 98th percentile for listeners normally, but I'm excited for the year in review coming up. I listen to like so many different genres, so many different artists, but one of my favorites is Katy Perry. So it's like, like very much like <laughs> old school Katy Perry. Love her. <laughs> Judged. You should not. Katy Perry is the bomb. Speaking of Katy Perry. Okay. So Katy Perry is good. Okay. We'll just leave it at that. Do you know what other professional triathlete was an ice hockey player? Heather Jackson oh. and Jason Pohl. Yes. Okay. 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 Uh, morning workouts or evening workouts? Midday workouts. Did I those count? That that counts. Then morning, but I like I I now don't really train much after five p.m. ever. Okay. Because that's not yours. So now that you've done every distance from super sprint to Ironman, what is your favorite distance? I really like the half Ironman distance, but okay. yeah, I just love the format. But I, but I think it's also, it's like, it's also because like just the environment, the atmosphere, like I just love those races. Okay. Do you have a favorite motivational quote or mantra that you say to yourself? No, I'm sorry. I don't. I resort to counting. It sounds really strange, but I like count a lot. Okay. Like it'll be up to like, I pick a number to count up to and I just repeat. It's just soothing. Ah, interesting. <laughs> so let's, oh, okay. Um, <laughs> you yeah. Know, I deal with that. <laughs> That's interesting. Let's, okay. I'm going to keep moving. Dream training partner. If you could train with anyone, whether they are alive or historical, who would it be? Well, I feel like I do have a pretty, like very good dream. Um, training partner, my friend Jeannie Metzler. She's just like very kind, very upbeat, always like very reliable on time, and she's awesome. Oh, that's a good shout out to her. Do you have any race day superstitions? They've kind of gone away, but yes, I'm sure. I just we'd have to get through to race day, and then I knock on wood a lot. So just warning you. Okay, knock on wood. Favorite post-meal race, favorite post-race meal. Like once you get out of your finished, what do you love to eat when you finish pizza. a race? Pizza. Favorite type of pizza? Just like cheese or pepperoni. I'm kind of plain, but yes. Okay. And the last question that we don't let people leave the podcast without asking is, do you pee on the bike or get off and take? a proper pee break I get off um and I, you'll see that in my races like I've done six 70.3s I have had porta potty stops in five out of the six five out of the six that's 83 percent that's majority yes so yes I get off I do not pee on my bike yet I had uh, yeah. anyway that, that's <laughs> need to learn that wait a minute so even in the Ironman race you you get off and take to I, I can't even talk and you took a proper pee break? Well, no, that was like later on in the run. Like, it's not like I get off the bike and have to pee, but it does happen. Hmm. Wow. And you're still that fast getting off the bike 
to pee. Wow. What's your, okay. So what's the, what's the method? Because you still get off and then you have to get back on at maximum power. So what is your trick? Oh no, I don't, I don't stop during the bike. I don't have to pee during the bike. That's oh, really okay. a hydration thing. It's more, I thought you said like during the race, I, I will stop though. Yeah. So I don't really, yeah. During the race, I don't have to pee on the bike yet, but that'll happen next race. Okay. Okay. So not, okay. Okay. Well then there it is. Do you pee in your wetsuit? Yes. 100%. Okay. Okay. Well, Taylor, we appreciate you. Thank you so much for coming on Try Beginner's Luck. And we have this saying at Try Beginner's Luck, whenever you try, you always win. It has been a pleasure to get to know you. And I hope that the audience learned something new about you. And we hope that you'll come back again, perhaps later in 2024, um, you know, to give us some updates on what you're doing and all that good stuff. So Thank you so much. I hope you have a very happy new year and we look forward to bringing you new content in 2024. I'm Ashonda Shines and we are out. Peace. Thank you for tuning in and listening to this episode. We need your help so we can continue to try at TBL. So for more information on where you can find and subscribe to this podcast, visit www.trybeginnersluck.com. And don't forget, whenever you try beginner's luck, you always win.